If you go to Disneyland, ride it just to get the bejesus scared out of you. Careful, man. Search every cook and nanny. A uh, hook and granny. A uh, crook and fa- uh, Search everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Style Guide Podcast with your hosts Dave Morris and Stephen Ray. Or how are you today, Steve-O? I'm fantastic, Dave. How about yourself? Good. Although I'm just realizing, do I always say your middle name or do I just do it that one time? Uh, sometimes you do. I mean, I think you say my middle name uh, less frequently than you call it the Style Guide Podcast. So, <laughs> Touche. All right. Um, <laughs> how are you today, man? Good to, good, to t- good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, too. Good to talk to you, too. Um, I'm, I'm excited about today's, the, the first of, of a few episodes for us. This is yet another series that we're going to try out. Yeah, this is another, another series. So we did the robot series uh, last uh, you know, time. And now we're doing a series on something not entirely completely different, but different enough to consider it different. Has has Disney, Walt Disney Animation Studios, ever made a film about robots? No, but they've made robots. Okay, that's fair. So we're talking about, uh, of course, the the great, the legendary, the uh, um, the one and only Walt Disney and Walt Disney Animation Studios. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. I think nowadays they're just called Disney or Marvel or Star Wars. It's it's true. It's true. Although we're, I think we're more focused on the animated stuff than their broad, broad uh, live action forays. Yeah, live action forays and uh, and acquisitions. Yeah, yeah. Like we're not going to talk about no Pixar. Yeah, we're not going to talk too much about Pixar. They'll come up, I'm sure, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about Pixar and Star Wars and Marvel. We're talking about. Disney and uh, this episode specifically, we wanted to start uh, the first episode to be about Mr. Walter Disney. Yeah, not not Roy O. Disney. Um, it's long lost brother. Um, no, very close brother. Actually, they spent a lot of time together. <laughs> it, it's funny. I didn't know he existed until we we started doing research for the podcast. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I knew that he had a brother that helped him get Disney off the ground all along. But not didn't know that well. <laughs> yeah. well. You're a better man than I do. I was just not shocked when it happened. <laughs> so Walt Disney. I wanted to start specifically talking about Walt Disney because he's one of the most coolest people of the 1900s, specifically the early 1900s. Okay. Because um, he was kind of a. Uh, I don't want to use the word like magical, but I'm going to use the word magical person uh as to what he accomplished like he's like the steve jobs of the early 1900s i don't think that's an unfair comparison no (laughs) yeah no yeah and like he and as as far as i know the story which i'm sure has been mangled by history and and hyperbolized by by people uh but he you know he was born in around the turn of the century and then he started an animation studio young with his brother and then he came up with mickey mouse and all the characters and started drawing these little animated things uh, and then he wanted to make a feature film, and people were like, "You can't! You're kidding! You're crazy, man! No one's gonna want to go see a full feature cartoon." And he was like, "We're gonna do it!" And then he made a full feature cartoon, and it was super successful. And then he kept making full feature cartoons, and then he a TV came out, and everyone else in Hollywood was like, "Ooh, TV's bad!" And Walt was like, "What are you talking about? TV's great!" And then he started like the Disney Channel and Mickey Mouse Club and all this sort of stuff. And it was super successful. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to build theme parks. And people are like, you crazy, man. And then he built these giant theme parks that are like that are like the definition of theme parks. 
Um, and he just kept sort of having people tell him like his ideas that was in, that's just not how we do things. And he was like, no, I'm going to do it. And then he would do it. Amazing. He, in a lot of ways, was the pioneer for much of media today. I, I don't think that that's like we we don't get a lot of what we popularly consume without the influence of Walt Disney on the medium of film, on television, and on the idea of entertainment more broadly. Yeah, you think he's that influential on entertainment, period? If you if you look today at, at what Disney is trying to do, like Disney has Marvel, they have Pixar, they have Star Wars, they have they have all these properties that are are really trying to sell you childhood. And mm-hmm. and, and and I think that there's there's a sense in which all of that can can be traced to Walt's an, an original vision. Like I don't think Walt originally would say, "Oh, let's go acquire this Star Wars property uh, from from George Lucas," but that that sentiment of we want to capture the idea of entertainment and and really um, really explore that for for children and even adults. I think that that's I don't think that that's an unfair characterization of him hmm. wow yeah I'll, I'll give you that yeah. i don't think that's an unfair characterization of him <laughs> and then of course he he died in 1960 something what was it 66 we were just looking at it. um 1966 yeah. right before disney world uh was fully built like it, it was just he, they bought all the land secretly because they didn't want people to know it was disney so that the prices wouldn't skyrocket and then they built these like huge. They, they planned these huge parks and everything, and it was going to be amazing. And then Walt died before it got finished. And then his brother continued it and finished it. And from that point on, Disney has just done exactly what they were doing when Walt died, which is continue to run theme parks, continue to make animated features, continue to do the Mickey Mouse Club, and then they started just acquiring other properties. <laughs> Because I, they didn't have Walt Disney. At least that's my theory. Well, I, I think I think you're right. And and throughout the these series of episodes, I think we're going to kind of see and explore the the changes that go on. But I don't think of Disney today as innovating. I don't think of Disney today as creating the the new kinds of entertainment and the new new entertainment ideas that are popular. You're right, they're acquiring them. I mean, like they Disney has made Star Wars great again, but it's not it's not as if that's attributed solely to Disney's creation. That's they bought it from George Lucas for four billion dollars. Yeah, and then JJ Abrams helped put it together. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Marvel, right? Like we can and, and in fact, Marvel is maybe a perfect example of, of Disney today, where the Marvel universe isn't exactly innovative anymore. I mean, I, I would say that early on, some of the stuff they did was uh, new to the form and the genre. Yeah, we talked Well, we talked about that idea of like the four movies all coming together into the Avengers and stuff and how, how that was pretty innovative in Hollywood, like huge franchise films that feed together. Like that doesn't happen. Yeah. And then, and that it's it's right around like that plan was there all along, and Disney buys buys out Marvel right around that time. Correct. It's not as if that was a Disney idea that that got brought to the Marvel franchise. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't remember. I don't know the timeline on that. 
but I'll, I'll give it to you. I, I think it's it's very interesting to point to the lack of, of innovation from from Disney today. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, Walt used to uh, he, he named his like the people that he worked with closely on Disneyland and um, his movies and stuff. Uh, he called them Imagineers, which is the cheesiest yet coolest name ever. Um, because Walt Disney, even though he was like an artist guy, was also like an engineer kind of guy and was really into the, the fixing problems. And like they, they made a, uh, they made a camera, a new kind of camera to film animations, uh, that had like, you'd lay all the panels out on these like trays and then the trays could move up and down to show, make it look like the camera was zooming in and out on these animations. Uh, like, and Walt was just like, we want to, I want to make it look more realistic. And so he kind of thought up this new camera and then they built it. Like, that's the kind of guy he was. Um, and so he used the term Imagineers because it's not just about engineering. It's about having the imagination as well as the engineering. And that's where the word comes from. And so he had Imagineers and that was what he worked with. And that's what he focused on. And now modern day Disney is more just like they have engineers <laughs> who are just like pumping out these products that are great. I'm not going to not going to slight Disney for being awesome and making good movies, but they aren't moving into the new medium. Like like I I I was wondering this last night. If Walt didn't die in 66. Let's say Walt was alive today, like he's in, he's immortal. Okay. Um Okay. So what technological innovations have happened since he passed away that he would have seized when everyone else was trying not to seize? And the obvious one is the internet. Yeah. Right? So the internet comes out and media companies are all like, whoa, 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 let's keep our stuff off the internet. Let's find ways to make it so that people can't download it and pirate it and la, 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 la. And you just think like, okay, what would Walt have done that everyone would have told him not to do? Would he have been like, oh my gosh, we have to embrace this and let's like make an entire Disney world on the internet that people can do things. And like, would he have found a way to make it work? Uh, And I think he would have. And I think that would have, like that's the kind of thing he would have done, and I think that would have like helped a lot of media companies today following that model, if you know what I'm saying. One one of the things that I've I've found interesting is that Disney has made forays into the the video game world, right? They've they they actually had a cup. Uh, I think they they had a studio that was Disney Interactive that was just dedicated to to video games that I think came around in the uh, mid '90s. And they started exploring the idea of using video games to to tell stories and that sort of stuff. But much of their work was really dedicated to using existing properties. So a game based on Aladdin or The Lion King mm-hmm. or a, a Disney, uh, sorry, a Mickey Mouse sort of game, as opposed to trying to take it and tell new innovative stories they they really just recycled their existing stories. Yeah, it's like they sold the intellectual property to a video game maker to make a video game instead of making their own video game. Yeah, and and I think that's that's another area where where Walt might have said, "Well, no, let's let's try and tell our own new stories with this medium instead of, you know, re, re returning to the the Lion King universe or returning to whatever." Because I, I, I don't know, I, I don't see or I don't picture Walt Disney as being hugely interested in sequels and retreading the same ground. Yeah, or just like making money. Yeah. Like he made enough money 
in the first like 10 years of his life. He didn't need any more money. <laughs> he just wanted to make people happy. And what's the great saying he said about Disney World that uh, he didn't want it to be, it wasn't about making it so that you'd have a great time, but make it so that it's impossible to have a bad time. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was kind of like his, his, one of his mantras, I guess. Uh, so with video games, I think he would approach it the same way. Let's make a good video game. Let's not, yeah. let's not just like make our property into classic video games. Yeah, so like there's so video games would have been something he might have innovated on uh, uh, the internet. Um, what else? I was thinking about like home DVDs and stuff like that <laughs> because they came out after Walt was gone, and all Disney did was come up with the Disney Vault, yeah. which was ways to make it so you could only buy their movies like sometimes when they let them out of the vault, <laughs> which is like a, such a nickel and dime kind of move, <laughs> which yeah. I don't think was a is a is a Walt Disney kind of thing. <laughs> Well, and, and there's this weird this weird mix between Disney as this capitalist icon, Disney the the company, not not Walt, um, the capitalist icon, and Disney as childhood and fun, and and I think at times those things can be in conflict with each other. You know, it's it's about marketing, it's about product placement, it's about toys selling with uh, things and that sort of stuff, as opposed to maybe tied to that same roots of just the joy of of telling stories for kids mm -hmm. and and that's one of the things in in watching the early disney films for this week that i really like i'm sure there were toys involved with with these early films but it really had a feeling of like we just want kids to enjoy these and and maybe have a little bit of a moral for them but like the stories are so light touch on on all of these early Disney films that it's really just about giving giving something that kids can enjoy for an hour and a half, two hours yeah. in a theater. Yeah. yeah. And not just kids, but families, right? Like Yeah. And I think that was the goal of a lot of the animated features was like make it for full families to be able to go to the movies together and watch things. Like I mean, what was coming out back then? Like Westerns? Yeah. And yeah. like like westerns and film noirs or something like that like <laughs> is that what people are going to see in the movie theaters and like sound of music and like these really depressing war movies it's not that's not not much family enjoyment yeah and like you know um the snow white and the seven dwarfs yeah would you say it is like the inside out of its day you're going to say no, you're probably right, but just hear me out. <laughs> Inside Out <laughs> was like about teaching kids the different emotions they have and stuff and how they, they control things. Would you say the dwarves were trying to fill that same role? Yeah, I, I, can, I can definitely see what you're going for there. The, the dwarves are, are emotions, right? Like they are right down to their names. They are, they are meant to be understood as particular personifications of emotions. And, and, and they, they, they do an okay job, I think, of, of telling that story of this is what anger looks like. This, this is the kind of person that you are if you're angry, that sort of stuff. I can, I can see what you're saying there. See what I'm saying? Uh, except for Dopey. But I think Dopey was just like, don't do drugs, kids. Was was that the message in 1940? Don't, don't do drugs, kids. Yeah, don't do drugs, kids. Or if you don't have any of these other emotions, you're dopey. <laughs> don't be a slacker, McFly. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, yeah. And, uh, so, oh, sorry. Go for it. Well, no, I, I think you're right. Because in, in watching Snow White, and I definitely had seen Snow White when I was a kid, but watching it as an adult, it was a very different sort of experience. Because I could, you're right, see the connections that, that come later in Inside Out. But overall, the film, one of the things uh, that, that I was kind of fascinated by in the film is that, like, not a lot really happens. And Snow White doesn't really do anything, right? Like, if you compare the character of Snow White to, is it Ellie in Inside Out? Whatever the, the main character, the, 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 the girl in Snow in Inside Out is. She yeah. is a very active character doing things throughout the story. Snow White stuff just happens to her again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And and so like while while the dwarves do certainly represent emotions and show you what those emotions can look like, it's never there's never really an interaction with them in any sort of meaningful uh narrative way. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> no, you're right, you're right. That's why I said you're probably right that it's not. But See where it's going. <laughs> it was trying. No, it was trying. And and it does. And and like there are little things about the film too. Like the oh the the whistle while you work song. Yeah. Uh, like that seems like a perfectly manipulative song from adults to children of like, oh let's let's clean up kids and sing the sing that song. The whistle while you work. Like we see this same kind of trickery later with Mary Poppins, like when the spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the film has these like little manipulative moments that are trying to trick kids into being adults. It's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to jump back for a second here, because um, there's another thing that Walt kind of helped pioneer, <clears throat> which is uh, ties in with our other series, which is robots, because they built like these animat- or animatronic, not even animat, yeah, no animatronic. We'll call them animatronics for Disneyland, mm-hmm. so that all the rides were like these these like moving people and things like that, and it was Disney that pioneered all that technology. Not Walt Disney necessarily himself, but the, him and his Imagineers. And they figured out a way to make it work so well that they could have them move pretty quickly and look fairly realistic. And then all of a sudden, Disneyland was just full of these robots. Um, like, uh, like if you go, have you have you been to Disneyland? I actually haven't. I was going to ask you about that, but you got to go, man. It's awesome. Uh, it's great. I haven't been to Disney World yet. I'm going to go soon. But Disneyland is, like, incredible. And uh, in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, the ride that the movie is based on, <laughs> you, you ride around in this boat and you see all these pirates. And all of them, it's just like, it's basically like, hey, look at all these robots that we've built that do cool things and shoot guns and cannonballs and stuff and, like, drink and fall over and whatever, do what pirates do. Um, now they've added Jack Sparrow into it and you see him all over the place, but... Before, it didn't have a Jack Sparrow story. It was just a ride. Um, and uh, it's incredible, like, just riding around and looking at all these robots move around. Like, it's just so cool. You're just watching a story, basically. And that was one of the things about Disney's rides that were so great is they weren't just the rides of, like, you know, roller coasters. They all had a story with them. So the um, Pirates of the Caribbean ride, you're riding through this pirate world you know and you're seeing all these pirates go about their daily lives and watching like fights happen and stuff um and like the peter pan ride is like the most beautiful ride in the world like you're in a a boat and all of a sudden you've you're, you're the the track is above you so you're floating 
and then you look down and you see like a full city below you as you fly off to Neverland, you know, and like the rides just kind of take you through their stories and stuff like that. Uh, and so it was like uh, the rides were a way to 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 another way to tell stories to people uh, and bring those characters to life through these like robotic animatronic things, uh, which Disney has like mastered. See, this is this is one of the fascinating things because my. My experience of Disneyland at Disney World is entirely just through pop culture references. And and so, you know, like the little glimpses that you may get from a, a movie or a TV show that is, you know, t- taking place there or, or has a scene or two there. And other than that, I think the the only other real experience I have of any anything related to it is the... I think I listened to a podcast where they just talked about the the kind of the mechanics of Disneyland or Disney World and and how the work that goes into making sure that it's like always clean and that you never see the you you always are in the world you never see the 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 world like you don't, you don't see Mickey you know with his head off you know smoking yeah. a cigarette on his on his break and that sort of stuff and that's the like I almost have this kind of I- idyllic fantasy version of of the the Disney theme parks because of because I never went and yeah. and and it it seems like this incredible fantastical magical kingdom which is exactly what they were going for I think with it I think it's one of the few places where if people tell you how idyllic it is and how amazing it is and then you go there you're it, it, they're right hmm. like it's never destroyed like I've only been to Disneyland in Disneyland, I was amazed at how all of a sudden, like, you'd be walking down the street, you wouldn't even notice, and all of a sudden, like, there's the barriers up for a parade to come through, and then a parade comes through, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. Like, I didn't even see anybody set up these things. They were just doing it so smoothly, like like ninjas almost. Uh, and that's Disneyland, which was the first one they built, which was the one that Walt looked at and said, this isn't good enough. I don't want, I don't want to ever see a cowboy in space, near Space Mountain. And so when he built Disney World, the first thing they did was lay a foundation and then build like and then like actual the actual Disneyland is like 14 feet above sea level or something like that, like where the ground is, because underneath it is all these tunnels that connect the whole park. So you can get from one end to the other in like 10 minutes uh, without having to walk through the park. You just go down through these secret hallways and stuff. Um, so like the cowboy can get from wherever he has to get to, to wherever he has to get to without walking through the park. And that's the kind of thing that Walt was like, this isn't good enough. We can make it better, <laughs> which is where he starts feeling like Steve Jobs, you know, like, no, we can make this better and wants to make it better. Um, so I haven't actually been to Disney World, which is where like they have like special garbage shoots that like suck garbage around the park. So you never have to see someone carrying a garbage bag like like I, I, I want to go just to see the difference between the two parks. But it is like Disneyland. You go in and you're amazed. Like you can't see. The only thing you can see from every other world is the castle. Of course. Like the castle's in the center of the park, and you can always see it, and you can always find your way there, and then you can get to whatever world you want to go to, right? Because I don't know if you haven't been, so it's set up into different like Pioneer World and the Future World and and New Orleans and like these different little areas. Uh, and you can go to each of them. And when you're in one of them, you can't see any of the other worlds, like the way the sight lines are built. So like you're in New Orleans and all you see are like cool steamboats and fancy shops and stuff like that. And then as you walk to 
like Space Mountain area and you leave New Orleans, all of a sudden you don't see anything except for the castle and princessy things. And then you're into uh, Space Mountain and it feels all futury. Mm. It's very cool. It's very, very amazing. It's it's like uh, I was, what Missy said last night when we were watching this documentary. Um, it's this is a modern day pyramid. <laughs> like, how did they build this wonder <laughs> is what you're wondering. It, it, I mean, it does have this this fascinating sort of perfectionist feel to it. Uh, like not having been there, but ev- everything I hear about it, tell, like it, it's somebody who had a particular vision for for what what the experience should be, and dedicated everything to ensuring that that vision was met uh, as as best was possible. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think you're you're right to to ask how how Walt would have dealt with the future and 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 what happens today because that's that style of perfectionism. I mean, I you're right to point to Steve Jobs in in the way he brought that to his 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 attempts to make Apple wonderful and great and the products perfect. But it's rare to see entertainment taken that seriously today. It's rare to see someone with a grand enough vision and the ability to exercise that vision on a grand scale uh, enough that you could say there's anything even comparable yeah of in today's world yeah i mean yeah. the closest we get is pixar mm-hmm. which is funny because that's where the two intersect right that's where steve jobs was uh, one of the founding members of pixar <laughs> and walt disney and i think steve was on the uh, disney board for a while but yeah, so like uh, Pixar is the closest I think we get to that perfectionist, and they're still just focused on making movies, whereas Walt was focused on bringing delight to children and families, because he didn't limit himself to a medium. He had this bigger goal, and this is what makes him so fascinating to me, is that he saw television, and instead of trying to stop it so that movies still made money, he embraced it and found ways to bring delight to people through television. Uh, and everything he did kind of built on itself, right? So like these animated movies that he would then make a TV show about and make little animations in the TV show and have this Mickey Mouse Club that then when he launched Disneyland, everyone knew all these characters and wanted to go because of the television and all the things. So it all kind of like worked together really well. And it's amazing that people today still fight against that. You know, like they still like, which is something again. So this is something that Marvel is kind of doing, which is Disney owns. But with the um, uh, the Netflix uh, universe right? and how they've they've embraced this streaming Netflix service instead of trying to stop it. They've like, OK, let's make things specifically for it. And they have, which is pretty good. It's pretty good. It's a good start. And they made the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show. And that was that's on like actual television. And they still have the movies coming out, and they're kind of intermingling them all, which is, which is, I think, pretty close to embracing everything. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's right, and I think you, you, you get hints at a grand vision in it, and it, it, it's one of those things where, I mean, we have talked about Marvel a lot and Star Wars a fair bit on 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 this podcast, but it, it's it's one of those things where when I watch a Marvel movie. I'm not sure there's somebody at the very top of the pyramid making making the fundamental decisions that say this is how Doctor Strange connects to Iron Man, connects to Daredevil, 
connects to Jessica Jones, connects to the entire universe, right? Whereas when there, there, there is some sort of sentiment I get out of, out of Disney in, in the early years where it feels all connected directly as if there is somebody, there, there is a grand puppeteer. Yeah. And, and I mean, like the stories in Disney were never really connected. Um, and this is where this is where I think uh, the, only, the only place I disagree with what you just said about there's no one with a grand vision. Maybe there is. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like it. But um, but it feels like that all their motivations are done not to bring more joy to people and give people an opportunity to experience the Marvel universe more, but from a place to try to get more money out of people and get people to buy in more to their product. Where Disney, maybe he did that, but that's not how it felt, and that's not how it was perceived. You know, it was more perceived just like, a, I want to make sure everyone is enjoying themselves. <laughs> and Marvel feels like you have to see the next movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things, so a couple weeks ago on TV, there was a crossover week between all of the DC television shows, The Flash, Supergirl, um, whatever all of them are that I don't watch. Yeah. And and they were they were doing it as a as a you need to see this so you can see the next so like you have to watch this one that maybe you don't watch just so you can understand how it fits into the broader story like it, yeah. it it was definitely marketed in that sort of way whereas like marvel today when spider-man showed up in the avengers that felt more like look this would be super cool for us to throw through spider-man into the avengers we know you're going to go see the Spider-Man movie anyway. It, it, it doesn't really matter. We're doing this just because it's cool. I don't know. I don't think that's how it felt to me. No? No. When I saw Spider-Man in the Avengers, I was like, oh, there, this is the trailer for the Spider-Man movie. Hmm. Because that, that, that whole sequence when they fought at the airport in the new, the, the new Avengers one. Is that, was that in the new Avengers? No, the Captain America Civil War Captain one. Captain America, yeah. That and the Black Panther and Ant-Man being in it. It all just felt like it's just too much of a of like a pitch for all these other stories. <laughs> and totally unnecessary. <laughs> well. It's like in the middle of this movie, we're just going to all of a sudden have a mini movie. Uh, and that's how it felt. And it was very confusing to me. Or not confusing, but just very like jarring. And, and so, and now just watching this new Spider-Man trailer that just came out. Did you see it? I did, yeah. I guess maybe it didn't just come out by the time people are listening to this podcast, but the Spider-Man trailer, uh, it has uh, Iron Man in it as well, right? Which is, to me, when I saw the trailer for it and I was like, Iron Man's in it. Oh, I got to go see that because I like Iron Man. And I was like, oh, they got me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, with, with Disney, they're not telling stories in the same universe. They're not telling stories with the same characters. I think there are, are little, like, the, the closest they'll do is little hints at the same universe. But but every every one of these Walt Disney Animation Studios films, anyway, is its own thing. Yeah, and like you said before that Disney isn't interested in, Walt Disney himself wasn't interested in, like, sequels. Uh, and I think that's what we're sort of getting at right now. So Marvel feels like it's trying to se- se- sequentialize everything. So that you have to go see it all. And Walt wasn't interested in that. He was like, no, we're going to make a really great movie. And then you know what? You're going to like this movie. So you'll go see our other movies because you like what we do. Not because you need to find out what happens in the story. Yeah. And I think I think that really gets to the core of it. While Walt, Walt Disney was a storyteller, 
he wasn't as interested in the stories themselves, if that makes sense, or in creating new stories, right? Like, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, there's nothing really new in that story. No. Pinocchio, not really anything new in that. Bambi is actually kind of a new story, but... And even before then, Dumbo, I think, was, was was a new story, right? Or did Dumbo already exist as a story that I didn't know? You know, I actually have no idea about that. Yeah, me neither. But and then there was like Fantasia before it, which was kind of like a mishmash of just all these stories that kind of exist already. Well, and that's the thing. Fantasia is such a great example of it, where where almost like really you get a feel that they're playing with mythology and they're playing with fantasy and they're playing with the these stories and tropes that we already know. Yeah, and that's. That's for me the the big thing that I've been noticing in early Disney is how how much the story is really just a vehicle for these beautiful characters, these beautiful the beautiful music and soundtracks, this this wonderful animation. The story is really just a vehicle. It's it you don't go to to watch Bambi or Snow White for the story of it. Yeah, I think you're right because I I think. Uh, one of the things I remember reading about Walt this week was that he liked looking at finding stories and then finding a way to put them on the screen. And that was what he did is he would take like a storybook and find a way to put it on the screen and turn it into moving pictures in a movie uh, because like books are great, but moving books are even better. <laughs> so and like uh, and, and I just looked it up. Dumbo was based on a story. Of course. Yeah, yeah, it was based on like a, a kid's book that I guess Walt must have seen it and been like, this is great, we should make this into a movie. Yeah, so like, uh, yeah, I think that's a, a, an interesting concept there. That he wasn't so much about stories, just so much about, uh, again, we've said this so many times, about just delighting people. And he wanted you to come and have a great time. Yeah. Well, and for me, sitting down and watching these first five five Disney feature films. did you Did you watch Dumbo? I didn't. I I've got Dumbo right here, and I I was like, oh, I should watch it before, and instead I rewatched Fantasia again because I love Fantasia. Dumbo is so weird, man. Is it? Well, there's the pink elephant sequence, like. Oh yeah. It is yeah. so trippy and weird, um, and kind of racist. Okay, moving on. Um, so you watched Fantasia a bunch of times. <laughs> I, I, well, I so Fantasia is maybe it. It's the one from my childhood that had the strongest impact. Mm-hmm. And and I watched it earlier in the week and I watched it again today because I really, I, I think that in some ways it's, it really epitomizes what I feel like Disney is trying to do in with these early few films. It's really about delight. It's really mm-hmm. about the, like, the the story in any of those shorts is sometimes, like, barely there. Yeah. And and it's all about experiencing experiencing these brief little moments and and Fantasia, with the the conductor narrator character who's telling us uh, t- telling us what each piece of music is, he says there's three kinds of music, one, the kind that tells a definite story, two, the kind that while it has no specific plot does paint a series of more or less definite pictures, and three music that exists simply for its own sake. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that that's a helpful lens for understanding the project that Disney is engaged in. It tells a it tells a definite story or it tells a bit of a story but really definite pictures 
or it just exists to be itself. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. That's why plot is such a light touch for him in some of these, because he doesn't feel it's needed for, for what it's doing in, in something like Snow White, as opposed to like Pinocchio, there's, there's a stronger plot in Pinocchio for sure. And, and so I think, I think that's a useful lens through understanding Walt Disney. Uh, I'm going to stop you there and say the story of Pinocchio. You said there's a definite story there? Uh, yeah. Am I wrong? Uh, I don't think you're wrong, but I think it's a t- horrible story. <laughs> Not just horrible in the sense that it makes you feel bad, but like when I think of Pinocchio, the story of Pinocchio, you basically remember the boy who had or the puppet that got turned into a boy right uh, and had no mm-hmm. strings uh, and then he gets lost from his grandpa and then his grandpa finds him again that's sort of the story you remember but then yeah. when you actually watch the movie it's nuts like he goes yeah. into like crazy gambling drug town and turns into a donkey at some point and gets swallowed by a whale at some point. And it's like this ridiculously long, convoluted, complex story that ends with Geppetto, like what? He's like out in a boat or something calling for him. Is that how it ends? Yeah. And he it, finds him or something. And then the fairy comes and turns him into a real boy. It's like, talk about like, talk about like most magical, like, like just, and he just it worked out. Oh, and then the thing that he lies and his nose gets big. Uh, so there's just so much going on in that story that it's just like ridiculous and all over the place. But it is in but each image in that is super delightful. So I think it falls more into the second one of like like telling a story through like really nice images. Yeah, maybe maybe you're right. I mean, the thing was when I was watching it, I, I'm watching the beginning of it, I'm like, oh yeah, this this feels familiar and it's kind of delightful and whimsical. And then there's there's John the Fox and Gideon the Cat, and I'm watching these. I'm like, I don't remember any of this. Yeah, stuff. that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> this is a weird trip. Why is this fox trying to steal Pinocchio and sell him to the? Sur- What's going on? Like it was. You're right. It's very confusing, and I think, I, I think the idea of we've got this puppet who wants to be a real boy is is such a great little core idea, and and you're okay with the rest of it because you get to watch these little moments of whimsy and wonder and, but the plot certainly isn't anything that you want to write home about. It's not a strong story. Yeah. And I mean, same with Bambi, right? Like, oh yeah. like when you think of the story of Bambi, you're like, oh, okay, so there's a deer and his mom gets shot and he's sad about it. And then he grows up to be a, a deer, a buck. Yeah. But that's hardly what happens in that movie. <laughs> like, that movie's mostly about like learning to say words like flower with a rabbit named Thumper, and like it's just kind of like these little moments and like drip drip drop little April showers and it rains and stuff, and it's like again just these like wonderful little sequences that overall tell the story of a deer becoming a deer and his mom getting shot, right? You know what I, you know what I mean? Like the early Disney movies do not really tell very good stories. I, I don't no. think I don't think it's until we get into Cinderella that we finally hit like here's like a nice story arc. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. I think I think in each of these, and I don't remember Dumbo, so it's maybe not fair to say, but it takes a long time before we get into anything resembling a plot, <laughs> and and even then, it only resembles a plot. Our our protagonist doesn't 
make doesn't necessarily make the decisions to to make the plot happen or to to escape anything it's like snow white's a perfect example snow white what does she actively do in the <laughs> film? nothing she's just living with some dwarves in the woods yeah the only choice that she really makes in the film is to eat the apple but it's already established that the evil queen has enchanted the apple so that she wants to eat it so yeah. she doesn't even have that as a choice yeah and then what do they do? They go find a prince to come kiss her. Yeah. Like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's super. Like, the, the story of that is super weird. But, it, you know, it's got the fun cleaning scenes. It's got the, 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 the evil, evil queen as a very kind of cool character. I think, I think she's the oh, coolest yeah, character. Cool. I mean, yeah. yeah, what's her name? Um, Maleficent? No, or is, or is Maleficent the one from Sleeping Beauty? I I actually assumed that this was Maleficent, but I don't like they don't say it in the film. They're all kind of Maleficent. Anyway, continue. But it again, it, it the story doesn't matter because that's not what they're doing here, and and I think that's that's kind of what justifies Fantasia as the third feature film that that Disney does, right? Like it's doesn't even matter not, that it's not telling a story. We don't care. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have these series of. Some of them are going to have some plot to it, but we're going to just have these series of cool visuals that are played to music, and it it works really effectively. Yeah, and you know what? I think I think uh, that those those three things—the definite story versus the definite images versus the just existing to for itself—I mm-hmm. think Disney for the early parts of its life, like even like the, for every, all of Walt being alive mostly existed to give you nice images that loosely told the story the middle one there because yeah. like even when we shoot through like if we if we shoot ahead a little bit which i know we're not going to get into like the the what do you call it the the cinderellas what, what's that era the silver era yeah we're not going to get into the silver era much but we get to cinderella and that has a story but then we go back into like alice in wonderland peter pan lady and the tramp which all hardly have stories to them like the story in peter pan is that he takes these kids to neverland and they just around for a while (laughs) and then go and then they fight captain hook and go back like peter pan has a bad guy but there's so much more like little sequences in there of like the whole things with the um i don't i don't even want to say the 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 word the wonder boys no i was gonna say with the indians right because there's that whole sequence of that they've been cut i think from the film lately because it's so incredibly uh racist um but there's like a whole sequence there where they play uh there's the whole sequence with the the like saving tiger lily and the thing like that and there's the whole sequence with the mermaids and there's like all these little sequences that eventually kind of tell the story of captain hook trying to get peter pan and like Lady and the Tramp, same sort of thing. It's just like these fun little sequences. We the the Siamese cats and the all this. And then it's not until we get to Sleeping Beauty again where we once again tell a story. But even then, it's a pretty dumb story, right? Huh. Like she pricks her finger and falls asleep, and her prince comes and fights the dragon and kisses her. Like that's dumb. Uh, so when do we get to another story? Probably not until like One Hundred One Dalmatians. Again, hardly a story. Sword in the Stone, stone. hardly a story. Mostly just fun little sequences of Merlin teaching Arthur stuff and like turning him into things. The Jungle Book, once again, very loose story, just showing all these wonderful sequences. The Aristocats, I don't really remember. Robin Hood, that one has a bit of a story to it. See, what's what's fascinating to me is that 
I mean, for starters, as you're describing Peter Pan, I'm sitting there going, no, that's not Peter Pan at all. And then I realize, oh, I'm thinking of the movie Hook. Yeah, the movie Hook tells a great story of Peter Pan. Uh <laughs> but, but that's not what Peter Pan, the animated feature is about. And, and I guess p- part of what I've been realizing is that, like, I don't have a strong memory of some of these films. And, like, I, I definitely saw Bambi at some point when I was younger. But, like, there are parts of it that were confused for me because I, I thought Bambi's mom died in a fire. Mm. <laughs> like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, isn't there supposed to be a fire at, like, the top of this film that kills Bambi's mother? I'm like, nope, no. that's not what this is about at all. No. And, and, and so I've got these very confused memories about these films. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that you're right. They're a series of moving pictures, and the story is, is really secondary towards... Uh, the the fun of it and that's not to say there is no story right because there's clearly like in peter pan there's clearly like captain hook's the bad guy he's trying to get them and tinkerbell betrays him and goes and talks to him and then she feels bad about it and then they get him eaten by a crocodile or something and so there is like a story to it but the story is like this like this tiny part of this full-length feature film that they filled in with all these fun little cool animations of like a um, a kid flying and things like that but again, that's not even a Disney story. They took that from what's his name, um, J- John Barry. That's his name. Who wrote? Uh... Whoever it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing. Story, story doesn't matter as much here, and and I don't I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, as as somebody who loves telling stories, certainly I place a different emphasis. But when when watching these these early Disney films. The reason, I guess, that they're, they're harder for me, you know, as a 29-year-old sitting in my, my living, living room by myself watching Disney films, like, the reason they're harder to watch is because they're not really designed for me as the audience, right? Mm, like, yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, not, it's not bad. It's just that this is designed for, for me, me to watch with my kids one day or that sort of idea where it's... It's it's a family film. It's a kids film. They're they're sing alongs at points. Like you you want to sing along to whistle while you work. You just do. Yeah, I remember I remember an old old girlfriend of mine when she grew up watching the Robin Hood movie mm-hmm. would turn it off after the wedding sequence because she thought that she'd assume that was the end of the movie, uh, which is like halfway through the movie and then it gets kind of like crazy and bad and stuff uh, or not bad but like you know things start to happen action starts to happen um, and so like she used to she used to think that was the end and you know what totally could have been why not just turn it off there <laughs> yeah, why not why not and it, it's funny though because this is one of the like bambi sitting and watching bambi i was i i think that it's not a very good disney film yeah it's not that great yeah and and i was kind of shocked in watching that because like the music is entirely forgettable I mean, none none of it is meant for you to really take part in. What about drip drip drop little April showers? There there's a little bit of of the the drippy music. In all fairness, that's that's the only part I remember. Yeah. And thumper. And and, and this the is skunk thing. skunk I, called flower. I definitely remembered watching this. I'm like, I thumper, I recognize you, buddy. You you and me, we can hang out. We're we're cool. But like there were there were large parts of the film where I'm just like I don't like what's this for? Oh, also I did enjoy 
Bambi learning how to say bird. Bird. Enough that I went and and walked up to Hannah and just pretended to learn how to say bird to her for a good five, ten minutes. That, she, that gimmick. She must have loved it. Yeah, that's really... She's going to be really happy that I do that for the next two weeks. Whenever, like, she'll just be sitting there working. I'll just come up to her and say, Burr! Burr! It is pretty adorable. It's super adorable. And that's one of the other weird things for me. Like, Bambi has three different voice actors in that film. So does Thumper, so does uh, Flower. Mm. Like, baby, adolescent, and adult. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> I get confused easily. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, it, but yeah there's not Bambi I, I had fonder memories for I thought that it was going to be of the ones that weren't Fantasia the one that I liked the most but as it turns out it's like no it's just okay yeah no it's just okay I think of those early movies like uh, the memory of them is much better than the movie itself like Dumbo gets really weird at some points and has some weird asides, you know, like the crows that sing and the pink elephants and stuff. But, and you forget that it's just about an elephant who learns how to fly. <laughs> like, uh, even though that's what we remember it being about, it's hardly about that when you actually don't see it. Um, and that's the funny thing about it. So, so Disneyland again, what Walt's, what are Walt's biggest visions to bring his stories to life uh, through animatronics and things. They made rides for all these things, right? So like, they have the Pinocchio ride, which basically just takes you through the Pinocchio story and you realize how crazy it is. Um, um, but the Snow White ride uh, is actually the, it's uh, it's like something called uh, some Snow White's Scary Adventure or something like that. And the whole ride is going through dark forests and creepy settings. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, pops the witch with an apple and she says like, apple, my dear, or something or whatever it is she says in the movie. And she just keeps popping out in every area, like once or twice, with offering you an apple, and it is so terrifying. And then it ends. There's like the story is: look at this creepy witch freak the hell out of you. It's so terrifying. If you go to Disneyland, ride it just to get the bejesus scared out of you. Well, and that's one of the kind of really cool things about these these films is that they're actually kind of dark. Like, not, not throughout, there's definitely wonder and whimsy in them, but, like, they have moments that are, if I'm, if I'm a young child, and I'm not going to lie, if I'm a 29-year-old man, I'm a little terrified at points. Like, when, when Snow White is running through the forest after the huntsman has told her to run away, mm-hmm. it's kind of, like, it's really creepy and weird and, and definitely uncomfortable. Fantasia has the the ending sequence is the 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 night on bold mountain where the devil brings ghosts and skeletons out of graveyards yeah, to terror yeah and it, like it certainly it ends with this beautiful ave maria and and kind of more harmonious ending but you got to get through satan first mm-hmm. and bambi too like bambi both the the fire that happens at the end and the death of Bambi's mom, they're they're it doesn't pull punches. No, yeah, no, it it doesn't uh, doesn't treat kids like they're dumb. I guess, no. yeah, yeah. Huh. And and that's something I think we're going to see continued through all of these Disney films. Like, I was really in watching Bambi. I'm realizing that the Lion King is Bambi told better. Like, it's just a better version of the Bambi story. 
Yeah, like it's it's basically if you took Bambi and 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 mapped the hero's journey over it, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it kind of follows that a little bit better. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And and like right down to like the the death of the parent and all that sort of stuff. It's 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 a very similar sort of feel. But I think from from what I remember of things like the Lion King and Aladdin, they weren't they weren't as scary in that regard. They didn't they they weren't like the emotional fear of like losing a parent, that sort of stuff. Sure. But the, the, the just like uncomfortable scared at the visuals. I don't know if that happens again as much uh, in the, in the later films. So I'll be interested to kind of trace that as we go on. Cool, man. Well, it sounds like we've got a pretty good um, setup for our Disney series here. Yeah. So any uh, any final thoughts on uh, on Disney before? I mean, you just sort of made a nice final thought there, but anything else you'd like to add before we maybe wrap this episode up? Uh, I I still have to say in Fantasia, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, that that premise and and how well it's executed is one of the coolest things that Disney has ever done for me. Uh, I you know even even seeing it again you know twenty five years later, it is as as effective, as fun, as as just perfect as it was really the first time I saw it. And and it captures all the parts of, of Disney's vision that I love. Yeah. Can you remind me, do we ever see the sorcerer in there? We do. At the very at the very beginning, the sorcerer is practicing his magic and yeah. and Mickey Mouse is looking over at him and yeah. the sorcerer kinda yawns uh, before he goes off to bed. Yeah. Mhm. Huh, cool. Yeah, it's great. How about your final thoughts? Uh my final thoughts are just that that I think it's 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 been fun looking back on Disney to the beginnings of it and realizing that that what Walt Disney did for Disney and with Disney was something that is like a, a singular event that has happened in the last century like um, and since then Disney has become just sort of another great movie studio but not what it used to be, which was like this, this groundbreaking, innovative uh, um, man making people super happy. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I know I'm cutting into your final thought, but I think there are a couple of people that tried to do that later. I think George Lucas is certainly one. If you, you look at the, th- the way that George Lucas wanted to spread out into games and toys and films and all that sort of stuff, and and while it's undeniable that Star Wars had an impact, I don't think George Lucas was is on par with with Disney. No, yeah. And I think James Cameron similarly, like the 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 vision that James Cameron has for film and transforming film and and how film as a storytelling medium, I think I think he he wants something greater than he's able to achieve. And and like Avatar is maybe the best example of it. But hmm. no one has ever been able to reach the the same heights as Disney, partially because he did it first. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, cool, man. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to the rest of this series because uh, the next couple we're gonna actually get into like the more, um, the sort of silver slash golden age movies and then uh, present day Disney. So I think it's gonna be a fun little romp. Yeah, I think so too. I'm looking forward to it and. Uh, I will see you next week. I will see you next week as well. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope.
I'm just going to keep going. Keep whistling. Keep going. I'm just going to keep going. 